great suffering, great pain, came a solution. Communities where disorder became harmony. The way things look and the way things are are very different. What do you think would happen if you skipped your morning injection? I cannot prepare you for what's going to happen. There's something missing from our lives. Something that has been stolen. When people have the freedom to choose, they choose wrong. If I'm not a receiver, what does that make you? Well, then that must make me the giver. Good morning. Based on uh, Lois Lowry's novel, The Giver, tells the story of a seemingly perfect community without war, pain, suffering, differences, or choice, only sameness. This utopian, outwardly utopian society has been achieved by eliminating memory and emotion from all of its community except one, The Giver. Within the mind of this one man, within his heart, is stored all past memories of the world and emotion. And this is done in the event that the elders of the community face a decision where sameness won't work. Face a decision that requires wisdom. So the story centers on young Jonas, who has been selected to be the receiver of memory. Jonas is to receive from the giver the history of the world before sameness. Jonas' receiving is to prepare him for his destiny, to be the next giver. There's two things I find incredibly fascinating with this story, and I actually saw it as I was writing the study on Proverbs and was stunned. First is the admission that even if we can create a utopian society, there would arise situations in which we need wisdom. Even if we could create a utopian society, perfection, sameness, there would still arise situations which require wisdom. Secondly, very profound, that by taking away the need for daily, moment-by-moment wisdom, the essence of humanity, the beauty of life, what it means to be human is stolen from us. The fullness of life for which we were created is missing. Ed Welch states, to be wise is to be human. It is to live as we were intended. To not need wisdom is then to not need to not get to be human. To be wise is to be human. It is to live as we were intended. The answers to the complexities of life that you and I face each and every day is not the elimination of our need for wisdom, however tempting that might be, but instead finding and following true wisdom. Better than sameness to replace the complexity of our life is the wisdom to travel through it. Wouldn't you rather have the wisdom to travel through it And this is the message of Proverbs. This is the gift we are being given by the giver, the Lord God. The book of Proverbs takes us to him, the giver, Yahweh, Lord of wisdom. And his offer to all who will receive, not just one, from him, the stunning opportunity to become wise, to be human, to live as we were intended. So open with me to Proverbs' own introduction and listen to this amazing 
opportunity, this doorway. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Wow. Who doesn't want some of that? As a way of introduction, I want us to look at three overarching realities that we're going to explore in our study of the book of Proverbs. The first is we have been routed for wisdom. We've been created for wisdom. Secondly, we need to be rerouted to find it. And the third, we need ongoing rerouting to continue to follow it. So let's first look at how we have been routed for wisdom. We've been created to believe wisdom is real, available, and desirable. Since the very beginning of the first man and woman, we have been routed to desire wisdom. Look at creation has just been laid out. God has spoken the world into existence. He has now created the man from the dust, a woman from his rib. And in Genesis 3, 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate and also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Even doing life in paradise, she wanted wisdom. That's amazing to me. Eve believed she needed wisdom. How much more us who live in a complex world, a fallen world where sin and death has entered in and disease, how much more do we who live in this world need wisdom? As Tim Keller points out, we need wisdom to know what to do when the rules don't apply. In a majority of the issues we face, knowledge and morality isn't enough. What field of study should I go into? What job should I take? Who should I marry? What street should I live on? What house should I buy? How many children should I have? Right? Don't you face a myriad of decisions all day long where just simply information and what is moral isn't enough to help you make a wise decision? We desire to become wise, to know what wisdom is, to be able to live it out instinctively. Solomon, who God used to write and to collect the book of Proverbs, desired to be wise above all else, even though he was described as a man who walked in the ways of God, and he was the son of David, a man after God's own heart. You'd think he wouldn't need wisdom, right? No, he said he wanted wisdom above all else when God said, I will give you anything. Unlike Eve, Solomon asked the giver, though. 1 Kings 3.9, he says, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. Huh? He's followed after David, a man's own heart. He knows God's law. The king had to write out God's law every day. And he still needs to discern between good and evil. The giver, the Lord God, was pleased. And Solomon did receive God's wisdom. And then Solomon, by God's hand, collected this wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Concrete images that we're going to look at of life's most profound truths. Discernment for us when it's not clear what to do. We're going to find in the book of Proverbs observations, even wisecracks. 
revelations about the creator and the creation. It's going to be in the form of poetry, which will be a challenge for some of us and will be a love for others of us. It will be hard to understand. We will need context and culture to understand it. Yet, if we do the work to understand it, we will be given insight into the complexities of life. Listen to what George Schwab Sr. says. To listen to Proverbs is to dwell safely. To be complacent is to court destruction. The stated goal of Proverbs counsel is not to bring relief from depression, addiction, loneliness, anorexia, mania, low self-esteem, codependency, or any other psychological woe. Neither is it to gain wealth or success. The goal is to provide a framework of thinking a structured mind with categories of right and wrong clearly defined to help a person interpret all the myriad experiences of life and walk a just and righteous path. It's more, not less, than finding relief from these woes. We have been routed for wisdom by God's design, yet in Proverbs we're going to be reminded that we have to be rerouted to find it. Rerouted to find wisdom. Rerouted belief. We need to know that wisdom is not something we take. It's something we give. We, get, we receive. Wisdom is not something we grab after. It is something that we receive. The book of Proverbs is incredibly practical. Incredibly practical for every area of life. But like even the garden, to take it apart from a living relationship with the one true God is foolishness. It is dangerous. Proverbs 1.7, the caution after all these promises is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. To understand wisdom and the fear of the Lord being its beginning, let's first look at folly. Because we need to understand folly. You're going to see woven throughout Proverbs, folly and wisdom. Folly and wisdom, two different paths. Folly is willful, natural determination to seek to be human apart from the one who breathed life into us. Folly, by definition, is willful, natural, deter- or natural determination to seek to be human apart from the one who breathed life into us, to come up with solutions like sameness. And it is the opposite of the fear of the Lord. Sometimes understanding the fear of the Lord is best to understand what it is not and what it, the opposite is. Willful, natural determination to seek to be human apart from the one who breathed life into us. Is this not what Eve was trying to do? Tim Keller says the fear of the Lord is a life rearranging joyful awe and wonder before the greatness of who God is and what he has done. Many of us walked in here going, I don't really get this whole fear of the Lord. Here you go. The fear of the Lord, as we're going to see in Proverbs, is a life rearranging joyful awe and wonder before the greatness of who God is and what he has done. This is not what Eve did, is it? Did she stand in joyful, awful wonder of who God is and what he's done for her and the creation he gave her? No, she was in joyful awe of herself. She put herself, she she had the fear of Eve, which led to being afraid of everything else. This is why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, is repeated over a dozen ways in Proverbs alone, because there is no wisdom without first fearing him. It is not only in Proverbs, but it is throughout the Old Testament The Bible is clear from beginning to end. True wisdom begins with believing that everything is created by God and sustained by God. He is the giver of knowledge. Not only through revelation, 
but through experience, observation, and reason. And this is why it's a relationship. He's going to give us wisdom in revelation and revealing who he is to us, but also through experience, through observation, through the reason that he's given us with our mind and our heart. Proverbs 12, 20, 12 reminds us, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. He's routed you for wisdom. He's given you eyes to see. He's given you ears to hear. And this is why some people can be a, have some wisdom apart from God. It really is from him because he created them with eyes to see and ears to hear. But apart from a fear of God, that wisdom will always be limited. Always be limited. A sailor, for example, might be an expert at sailing. He knows the currents. He knows the waves. He knows how to work the boat. But without God, he does not understand who owns the winds of the sea and who alone can guide him home. And when a squall comes and his life is threatened, he does not know what to do. But the one who fears the Lord can face that in a very different and wise way. See, that sailor who doesn't fear the Lord is living partly human, but not fully human as intended. Tremper Lagerman, um and his commentary in Proverbs says, Proverbs and the Bible as a whole does not try to prove the existence of God. You're not going to see that here. It rather presents God's existence as the presupposition that is manifest in history and nature. Listen to this. One fears a superior power. So to fear Yahweh means to acknowledge that Yahweh is vastly more powerful than oneself. It is to put oneself in a position that will elicit obedience. Ladies, in this fear alone, will we become fully human? See, we all fear something or someone. And what we fear is either birthing wisdom or foolishness. Only the fear of the Lord will free you from every other fear. All other fears, if you fear, if you stand in joyful awe around anything other than the Lord God, it will dehumanize you. Like Eve, you will be afraid, you will blame, you will hide. Proverbs reminds us that only a fool refuses to fear the one who has the power over life and death. That wisdom is dependent upon understanding the world correctly. How can we understand the world correctly if we don't have a relationship with the one who created it? In our study of Proverbs, and temptation for us, ladies, as I've been praying for us and for me, the temptation for each of us is to be like Eve, to take pieces of Proverbs and apply it without the fear of the Lord. I was thinking about this. I've been chewing on it with Jeff. Why did Eve do that? Why did she take? I don't know why she did, but I know why I do. I was thinking about this, and I was asking the Lord, and he reminded me of my children. He reminded me of my kids and their homework and their refusal to let me help them. <laughs> Two reasons. Anybody want to guess? Pride. What's the second one? The second one's harder. It took me a while to get to it. Laziness. Pride and laziness. They wrongly think they don't need me. They wrongly think I've never done math. <laughs> or... They know I'm going to make them work to understand the math, not just memorize it. This is so like us. We wrongly think we don't need the Lord. We wrongly think he doesn't get what we're dealing with today. Or we are lazy. 
We don't want to do the work to become wise. We just want to grab a piece of wisdom and apply it and move on. Ouch. We don't want to understand who he is. We don't want to understand his ways. We don't want to take the time to know the true purpose of life as intended, which is the beginning of wisdom. And this is why Proverbs 1 through 9 lays a foundation of who God is and why responding rightly to him is what makes us wise. And that is why you're going to spend the first three weeks doing some tougher work than the rest of the weeks. And before we get to pick some wisdom off trees, we're going to spend some time laying the foundation of who God is and who we are. And if it doesn't stir up fear in you, you haven't been paying attention. It will cause you to have life rearranging joy around who God is and what he has done. It will stir up the right kind of fear that God deserves that we have for him. Nancy Guthrie, in her book, The Wisdom of God, she says, The desire to know God and respond to him rightly is the driving force of a wise person's life, his or her functional center. You talked about people that you knew that were wise. My guess is that most of the people you described are wise because their functional center is to know God, to know the giver, to be in relationship with him. Proverbs 1 through 9 at the beginning that we're going to mostly be looking at will declare who he is in contrast to who we are. Again, it will stir up a fear, an awe, a respect, and show us how we can even become intimate with him. Then we will move on into these topics and covers every area you could possibly imagine. In chapters 10 through 31, we'll see the outworking of the fear of the Lord in every detail of our life, the big and the small, emotions, behaviors, words, wealth, the most intimate of relationships. Proverbs talks about romance and discipline and all kinds of anything. You, you just pick something. It is probably addressed in Proverbs. But the fear of Yahweh, M.L. Bear says, is the first step, square one, in the quest for a meaningful existence. Yet amazingly, the very use of the name Yahweh, which is every time you see all uppercase Lord, Tell yourself Yahweh, and you'll see that I did this a lot in the study, because Yahweh is his covenant name. It's a reminder to you throughout Proverbs that you are to receive this truth, this wisdom, in the context of a relationship. That it's about a relationship, that wisdom is a person. It's not just an idea. It's not just an application. It is amazing that we get to be in relationship, the one who, who is the center of the cosmos. See, it's not just re-rerouted believing, but it's a re-rerouted being Wisdom is something we receive in that relationship. In Proverbs, it's so interesting. Wisdom and folly are personified as a woman to get this point across. Proverbs was originally written to young men. And although it was written to them, it is for us today as women in the 21st century. But what's so fascinating is how wisdom and folly are personified as a woman with the intent to tell these young guys, get intimate with it. Get intimate. Take it into your life. You will either take wisdom and have a relationship with wisdom or you will have a relationship with folly. Those are the two choices you have. Eve listened to the call of folly. She took what she thought would be desirable. She tried to take wisdom for herself so she wouldn't need to fear the Lord. She listened and became intimate with foolishness. Sin became integral part of her. And she traded the fear of the Lord for being afraid of everything else. Rerouted believing, rerouted her being, 
And she became less and less human as you look at Genesis, missing the life for which she was intended, the paradise in which she was placed. And then we have this incredible promise in Genesis 3.9. Wisdom called out to her. God, Yahweh, called out to her. In that garden, he invited her back into a relationship with him. And he promised her that one day he would send a redeemer to pay for her folly. In Genesis 3, we see the beginning of the promise of God's son, the savior of the world. God sent his son to us to live the life Eve didn't, to fear him perfectly. Jesus is the personification of every proverb. Though perfectly wise, he willingly did what appeared foolish. He gave his life in exchange for Eve and for Eve's daughters. And the way things look, though, and the way things are, are very different. It may have looked foolish, but it was the wisdom of God being revealed. See, Eve grabbed what wasn't hers, thinking it was going to be good, and she brought death into the world. Jesus gave up what was rightly his, and it looked bad, and it looked dark. But what it was happening was he was bringing life back into the world. Jesus became the wisdom of God the way to be saved, the way to enter a relationship with God. What wisdom of God? Who would think of sending his only son? And Jesus, the wisdom of God, calls out to us in Isaiah 55, 6-8, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return, rerouting, hearing it, to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways. Your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. We quote that a lot, those of us who've been Christians for a while. But do we recognize this is in the context of salvation? God's ways are not our ways. Thank heavens. Who would have ever thought to send his perfect son to a fallen world, to die for fallen people, to bring us back into a relationship with him? That is the ultimate wisdom of God. God made a way we would have never thought of. The giver has given his son. Jesus is the wisdom of God, the way made for us to be invited back into an intimate relationship with our creator, the one who is the center of the cosmos. To the extent that we get the wisdom of God revealed in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and we'll get this over and over in the study, to deal with our sin, the wisdom of God and how he's dealt with our sin, we will fear him. We will rearrange our life in joyful awe over who he is. And this fear will be the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of an ongoing, continual rerouting. Proverbs describes the life for which we were routed demonstrates our need to be rerouted, to enter into it. And lastly, the ongoing rerouting necessary to fully enjoy it. So lastly, let's look at this ongoing rerouting. We need ongoing rerouting of our believing. We need to continually be pressing into further belief. We need growing fear of the Lord to become wise. You don't just get it one day, okay, I'll fear the Lord today, done. It's ongoing, it's constantly rerouting because we are always moving one way or the other. And if our mind isn't being transformed and renewed daily in his word with his people, we will go backwards. We will reroute back the other way. 
through growing fear of the Lord, we become wiser. Wisdom is a path. It's not a doorway. It's not a destination. It's a journey. It's becoming progressively aware of, observing, perceiving, internalizing what is wise through instruction, through hard-won lessons. And Proverbs itself is hard one to understand. Derek Kidner in his commentary says, Proverbs introduces the reader to a style of teaching that provokes his thought, gets under his skin by thrusts of wit, paradox, common sense, and teasing symbolism. It's hard work. That's why we wrote a study on it. And we didn't just say, let's just all read it together. It's hard work. But if we're willing to do the hard work, we will be given by the giver insight. This word insight, amazing, from Proverbs 1, introduction. Insight is to know how things work. I don't know about you. I want to know how things work. Do you want to know how things work? It's huge. When I was teaching Olivia her timetables when she was young, and I was trying to get her to memorize them, she refused. I don't want to memorize them. I want to know how they work. So I had to get the blocks out and show her why times tables works. And I don't, How many of you have a child like that? Seriously, I only got one out of four like that. She is a math whiz. She can figure out things that no one can figure out. But that's because very early on she said she wasn't satisfied with memorization. She wanted to know how things work, and it has served her well in many areas. Oh, that we could be like that spiritually. And God wants to give that to us if we will be receivers. Insight is the ability to recognize the true nature of a situation, to see, you guys know people like this and they stun you, to recognize the true nature of a situation or a circumstance and how to respond to it rightly and justly. And you're going, really? How did you see that? How did you know? The giver. Believing God wants to also give us knowledge, how things really are. Oh, wow, denial is a great place to live if you can afford to be there, but it's not really, right? We need to know how things are. We need the giver to show us the reality of how things really are. This is knowledge. It was interesting, in the, in the movie adaptation of the book, and I'm, I'm assuming this is in the book as well, Jonas, that main character, could see what other people couldn't see. They, do the whole, they shoot the whole movie almost primarily in black and white because of sameness. And yet they show that through his eyes he can see color where other people can't see it. That's knowledge. The ability to see things as they really are. Believing from God that we can also learn prudence. Prudence is an old word, but it's the ability to consider a situation and respond and not react. How about you? How many of you are hot-headed like me? I could use a bit of prudence, thank you very much. My family would all say amen if they were sitting right here. The ability to consider a situation and respond, not react. Oh, Lord, have mercy on us. Believing the giver gives discretion, application of knowledge in a constructive way. My daughter did just get back from Haiti, and she was there with Johnny and friends doing uh, wheelchairs for the disabled. And we had a lot of discussion about the root of poverty and understanding the poverty in Haiti. And we had a lot of talk about the care of the poor and the commands in Scripture to care for the poor. We can have the information and we can have the commands, but we can apply them in a way that hurts the Haitians, Right? We need wisdom to apply it. That's discretion. The application of knowledge in a constructive way, in a way that humanizes, not dehumanizes others. 
Gerhard von Rad says, Biblical wisdom is to become competent with regard to the realities of life. See, the fear of the Lord, ongoing, continual, rerouting belief that he can give us all these things, the fear of the Lord will help clarify the issues we face how to respond when it's not clear, when the rules don't apply. And I love that Proverbs itself admits that we need this. Listen to this confusing Proverbs. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Okay, which is it? I don't know. If you're like me, you've got fools in your house. Usually, primarily, it's me. What am I supposed to do? Do I answer him? Do I not answer him? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If I fear me, I'm going to pop off when I shouldn't. If I fear them, I'm going to shrink back when I should speak up, right? Only the fear of the Lord is going to give us the discernment to know which fool to answer and which fool to be quiet in response to. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And lastly, what we see in this Proverbs is that believing in this introduction is also a rerouted believing that we need continual rerouting, even for those who are wise, even the women you talked about in your group that you know are men that are wise. If they are really wise, they know they're foolish. That's the thing I really got from writing the book, writing the study on the book of Proverbs is how ignorant and naive and simple and how desperately I need wisdom. See, wisdom calls out not just to the simple, not just to the naive, not just to the youth, but it calls out to the wise to increase in learning, to obtain guidance. See, ongoing rerouting, we need it because life is filled with enigmas. And the older you get, the more they seem to come rolling in. This is what Solomon dismissed and missed being fully human. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it's quite sad. Solomon says, what happened to the fool will happen to me also. Why then have I been so very wise? And I said in my heart that this also is vanity. Why, after writing the book of Proverbs, we're not sure exactly when he said this, but why, after asking God for wisdom and God honoring that request, did he find wisdom to be vain? I think the wisdom he's speaking of here is the, trying to achieve wisdom apart from a relationship. Rosario Betterfield, in her book, Confessions of an Unlikely Convert, says, as Solomon became rich and successful... He started to believe that knowledge was something that he owned. Something that he harbored inside of himself rather than what it was. Something loaned to him. But something fundamentally located in the radical otherness of a holy God. That will be our temptation. That even as we grow in wisdom in the next few weeks, that we begin to say, got it from here. I pray that we will not only see that wisdom is located in the radical otherness of a holy God, but that the radical wisdom of God in making a way for us to receive it. Through ongoing fear of the Lord, the wisdom we receive from the giver is intended to bring us home into life with him. I love what Mark Dever says in, in response to uh, the book of Proverbs. He says, in, the, in God's giving of us wisdom, he likens it to a parent and child. He says, parents, when you see your child take a first step, you are not delighted that they can now run away from you. <laughs> well, some cases. You are delighted that they can now walk with you. 
God has given us his wisdom so we can walk with him, not run away from him. So again, I pray that we will not only see that wisdom is located in the radical otherness of a holy God and a relationship with him, but that we will stand in awe of the radical wisdom of God in making a way for us to be receivers. This is stunning, ladies, that a holy God is willing to be the giver of his wisdom to sinful people. But it was the wisdom of God to give us his son in order to do this. The evidence of God's great wisdom is in the life, death, and resurrection of his son, which reroutes us into a life for which we were intended. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 1.30 says. We'll see this verse a lot in the weeks ahead. And because of him, you are in Christ, those who have placed their faith in him, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, routed, rerouted, rerouting, so that we could be human, to live life as intended. Ladies, to the extent that we get this, to the extent that we get the wisdom of God in giving us his son, to the extent that we get that, we will want to devour every bit of wisdom the giver is willing to give. We will want continuous rerouting. We will resist distrusting or dismissing the wisdom of God we don't like. Let me tell you, there's going to be stuff in here you're not going to like. Your nature is going to fight it. His ways are higher than yours when it comes to emotions, when it comes to behavior, when it comes to relationships. His ways, oh, are oh so higher. But when you recognize the wisdom of God and being willing to give you his son, you will want to trust every bit of this. Romans says, he who did not spare his only son, will he not also give us all things? If he could think of a way to forgive us our sins and bring us into the life that we lost, don't you think maybe he ought to be trusted for how we deal with anger, jealousy, envy, romance, parenting, friendship, enemies? What's also great is that to the extent that we get this, we will have continuous rerouting from the devastation of our own folly. Oh, it was really painful this summer. to see how unwise I am. Yet there's the continual reminder of forgiveness. Proverbs is clear, pointing to Jesus, that if we confess our sins, there is atonement. We will find forgiveness. We will find power. We will find the comfort that we are desiring. Ongoing rerouting. Continuous rerouting. We will be kept from the discouragement that comes from believing his ways are too hard. I can't forgive. I can't love. I can't speak up. I can't be quiet. No. We will find that rerouting, continuous rerouting, will protect us from the discouragement that comes from believing his ways are too hard. His ways are impossible because we will see that they're not because we are in Christ. In Christ, the way things look and the way things are are very different. He is risen. And if you are his, you have power. So, here we go. You're here today because you've been routed for wisdom. 
You may not know that's why you came, but that's why God brought you. You are here today because you have been routed for wisdom. You were created to be wise, to be human, to live life as intended. You are here to be rerouted, to open the map of his word. Okay, so I get that the study's big and a little heavy. But can I just encourage you, this is to help you understand Proverbs is difficult. It is poetry. There are enigmas. There are things in there that are difficult to get, especially if you don't know the culture. This is intended actually to make it more simple. I know that seems a little crazy, but think of it as the parent helping homework. And I consulted all the parents. This isn't me. Trust me. The study is intended to help you understand. And to keep you rerouting, you've been given communities. Safe, but not because we're all the same but because by sharing our different pains and joys, we get to be part of God's solution and helping each other become wiser. So let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to receive, to be the receivers from you, the giver, that we would receive our destiny to be wise, to be human, to live as we were intended. May we grow in the fear of you, which is the beginning of knowledge that we might despise folly for your glory which is always our good in Jesus name amen yes thank you Patty <clears throat> let's just acknowledge how much we do need him <laughs> Lord I come